Yesterday I had a therapy session and um, I was telling my therapist just how grateful I am uh, because I tend to worry very much about the future. Not because I don't trust myself, but because, you know, I have my own business and I'm the one in charge of making all the big decisions. And so I always think ahead about the people that I need to take care of, about whether I'm still going to be able to do the work that I'm doing in five years or 10 years. or And sometimes there's just way too many expenses and there's a part of me that just goes into that worry place, which I think all of us go through. And I, so I told her, I just feel very grateful because every time I feel this way, it's like the universe says, don't worry, I'm going to send you this from here and that from here, from places that you didn't know or didn't anticipate that you were going to get like a certain deal or you were going to get a certain uh, like book deal or brand deal or whatever. It just, I, I was so overwhelmed with um, gratitude that I am taken care of by the universe. And so my therapist goes to me, um, I really want you to make the shift from saying, I'm really grateful for the things that I'm getting because of all of this hard work that I'm putting in. She's like, you have to believe that you're also receiving all those things because of who you are. It's not always about what you do. It's about who you are. She's like, the work that you're doing is so important. Like you are helping people heal. You are sharing a part of your story and your journey. You are sharing a part of who you are with the people that you are trying to help. And that's a heavy weight to carry. And you're doing that. So instead of saying, I'm so grateful for all that I'm getting because of all that I'm doing, add to that because of all that I am. And I thought that was so beautiful because, yeah, I tend to be someone who's like, I did all of this. I worked so hard to get this. I, I went to school for this many years and it's not, it doesn't come from a place of like arrogance or from a place of trying to prove myself to others. I think it's from a place of trying to prove to myself that I've earned the place that I'm at in life. And so it's always good to get that reminder that you deserve good things based on being not just based mm -hmm. on doing. So yeah, I, I wanted to share that with you because I thought you of all people would really appreciate that and the people who listen in would really appreciate that too. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, it's so true too, because, you know, whether you're, you know, a public figure doing work like you and I do, or you're an individual just, you know, living a private life and having their pro profession, like whatever it is that they're doing, it's, like just being alive is such a head trip. You get so like looking inward, looking outward, confusing like your actions for who you are, looking yes. at like the merit of the merit of like how much money you're making or like what type of status you have, like, you know, whether it be publicly or in a company or whatever. And it's like, it can, it's such a kaleidoscope of mind you, and you get so turned around that mm -hmm. to, to have that reminder to be like, okay, like 
things go well for me, not because I'm lucky. It's yes. be- and not because of the things I'm you know doing per se, but because of the intention in which I'm moving through life. Yes. You know, I think that's so huge. Yes, because of the way that you show up, because of the presence that you have, because of how authentic you try to be. People respond to that. The universe responds to that. And you get not only based on, you know, I I did step one, two, and three. It's so much deeper than that. And right before we started recording, we were talking about how sometimes I feel that people who think that you deserve certain things in life only based on the amount of work that you do, they are not the right people for you to sit with and talk about these things with. You have to make sure you're surrounding yourself with people who have that same value system, that same way of thinking that appreciates a human being at a much deeper level. You're not just a number and you're not just equated by what you do. So for anyone listening, that's one of the things that I write about all the time. I'm like, you have to look at who you are. You have to look at what does your heart try to emit into the world? What what do you walk around feeling and thinking like I can contribute in this way to humanity in general? You have to look at all of that and appreciate it. If you surround yourself with people who only equate you based on your accomplishments or based on how much work you visibly are doing you're always going to feel like you're out of place. You're always going to feel like something's wrong with you. And you're always going to feel like this is the worst part. You're always going to feel like you're not worthy of what you're getting from the world. And that's a very bad place to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's like, I mean, it's kind of like just a symptom of living in a materialistic society, you know, where it's like, show us the outcome. What was the outcome of your actions? You know, and it's like, or your work or other. And it's like, sometimes like, like not everything is measured, measured in metrics of like material outcome, you know, and that can be financially or in work. It's like, there's things a lot deeper and more eternal than that. And it's like, even thinking about uh, throughout the concept of time, it's like time. Mm -hmm. I don't think about time in terms of like, well, before I retire, I hope that I can write 10 books. It's like, no, it's like, I want everything I do to be timeless. You know, it's like, and I don't don't mean that from like, from like a lofty boy. I just mean, I want it to be like anchored in the present always forever because it's like universal has deep meaning, not because it's just, some box that's getting checked, you know? Yes, I'm totally with you on that. The timelessness is so important. I was thinking right before you mentioned that, that it's so difficult in the age of social media where it's all about optics. It's all about how you present yourself to the world. And and I'm not saying that that's how it should be, but I'm saying this is what I witness on social media is people are like, oh, I tripled or I'm making 10 times more than what I used to make because of these things that I did. And I, I don't criticize anyone for 
living that way or prioritizing that. But to me, it's like my goal has never been to make an X amount of money by a certain year or to have an X achievement or X number of books published by a certain time. It's like there is a, um, there is a beauty and a uniqueness to work when you allow it to flow on its own time and on its own terms. I never force myself to sit down and write a book because I just need it to be done by a certain time. Usually when I'm ready to write a book, I'll write the outline or I'll start writing a chapter and I go to my agents and I say, you know, this is what I have on my mind. This is what I'm ready to write right now. I never force something because I feel like when it's forced, you're only focused on getting it done. You're not focused on making sure that it comes at, with the creativity and the flow that would make it the best that it could be. And I know you agree with that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, it's like, why do anything if you're not doing it because you like, it's arising within you, you know, that's the mm -hmm. reason to do it. Like, as you said, people get so caught up on like thinking about, the strategy or the marketing of something before they're even thinking about the actual thing that they're working on. It's like, well, like don't think yeah. about how it's going to sell. Think about why someone would like want it in their life and how it's going to help someone. And it, people get that backwards, you know, because it's mm -hmm. like, you, if, if I always say this to people like to other authors privately, but I'm like, generally, and this goes for anything, but it's like in the publishing world, anyway, since we're talking about books, it's like generally a publisher and I've had, some, you know, approach me like this. And I know a lot of people do, they, they tell you like, well, this will work and you have to do this, you have to do this and they have to do this. And it's like, well, no, you don't know what's going to work. Like if you knew what would work, then every book you publish would be a bestseller. It's like, no one knows what's going to work, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. but the closest thing that you can get to anything working, and this goes for writing a book or, or whatever you're just doing in your personal life is just always listening to what feels right. Listening to what's arising in your body and like, what, what is this, yeah. that like magnetic force that's coming up within you and like literally yes. pulling you towards this thing. Like it, and the more you can just shut everything else off and just follow that feeling, mm -hmm. then you'll be successful because you're creating meaningful things. Yes. And like meaning is universal on this human level to where, so if you mm -hmm. create something meaningful to you, it's like, you know, you're a person that's going to connect to other people. And uh, I mean, I don't know, that's the way that I do it. That's how it, it all, um, I think just following what feels right is yeah. people have a hard time with yeah. that, Corey. They, they have a really yeah. hard time with that. And I, I thought about this for a long time. Why is it that we struggle with trusting what feels right to us? And what it comes down to is not being able to trust ourselves. And it's not to say that something is wrong with us for not being able to trust ourselves. I think it invites you to go, on a much deeper level within yourself to ask, why is it that I learned to not trust the way I feel? Why? Have I been taught at some point that my feelings don't matter or that my quote unquote gut feeling about something is just this fictional thing that comes out of being afraid or comes out of 
not wanting to go through with something and you're subconsciously or unconsciously just trying to ruin things for yourself? Like, what is it? What point in your life did, at what point in your life did that lesson come in that you should not trust or you cannot trust the way you feel about things? And for me, I can trace it all the way back to my childhood where I had to think logically about things. So having emotional needs like wanting to be heard and seen and loved, I was always a sensitive kid. And I was always made to feel like that made made it so that something is wrong with me. Like I'm just too sensitive, I feel too much and I get emotional very quickly and I'm, I'm very sensitive to my environment. If I sense somebody's upset, then I immediately shut down because I don't want to be a burden. And in doing so much therapy, I realized that in order for me to learn how to trust myself, I have to go back to that younger version of me, younger versions of me and sit with them at those times, those critical times when I really wanted to express myself based on the way I was feeling and then I shut myself up or filtered myself or uh, made myself small just because I felt like the environment around me wasn't going to welcome that feeling and wasn't going to validate that feeling. I had to go back to those younger versions, sit with each and every one of them and correct what needed to be corrected at the time and say to, to the younger version of me exactly what she needed to hear and remind her that her feelings are valid and to trust herself. And with that, I can't explain to you the level of self-forgiveness that needed to come with that because I feel like this is not just for me, but for most of us, when we think back to the past and the way that we handled situations in a way that now we look back and we're like, oh, I should have done things differently. I should have spoken up. I should have done this. I should have done that we feel ashamed that we didn't do better. And so I had to sit with myself and forgive myself in a way that says you were doing the best you can at that time. I'm not angry with you for doing what you did because that's all you knew. Those were the limits of your survival mode. You literally thought that was the best you could do. So I had to forgive myself for judging those younger versions of me, not just from when I was a child, even from three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. I had to ask for forgiveness from them because for the longest time I would think back to old versions of me and, and say, I don't identify with you. I want to forget that I was ever you. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but it's it's so important to reconnect with those past versions of you and remind them to trust themselves and, and remind them that they can trust you now and moving forward. And your feelings and your emotions are 
are a big part of that. You need to trust your feelings. And I always tell people, you don't always need physical evidence that confirms that your feeling is valid. Your feeling is valid just because it came up. So, so pause and listen to it and see what it's trying to tell you because it's not coming out of nowhere. It could be, yes, it could be that you're overthinking things, but it could also be that you felt this before and that your body's trying to tell you this situation is very similar to one we experienced in the past. Be careful, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's all very beautiful. Um, and thank you for sharing it all. Yeah, I mean, that's even you know, for me as I, I've always been such an intellectually minded person, you know, and I've been very much a high kind of logic, low emotion person. And, but as I've gotten older, I've been able to really learn to connect with those two things more. And I think what you or connect those two things, more those two parts of self. And I think what you said is so valuable is like validating the feeling, you know, because a feeling is information that's actually, it's, it doesn't seem like it, but it's more clear than language. You know, it's like, absolutely. we try and like the problem of why it becomes unclear feelings is because we look at them from an intellectual point of view and then try and apply words and logic to the feelings. And that's what makes them confusing, right? Mm-hmm. Because th- those two languages don't really match. But whenever you actually allow yourself to just sit and feel the feeling without applying language and words to it, then it's kind of amazing how rich and how deep that the information that's coming through those feelings really is. I love that so much. I I don't think this is a coincidence um, at all. Right before you and I started recording, I was scrolling through Instagram and a friend of mine posted a story of a picture of her and right beside her face, she wrote, overthinking is under feeling and I read it and then I read it again and I was like yes like when you overthink how to put words to your feelings it's like you're condensing those feelings or trying to put them into boxes when really all they want from you is to just sit with them and actually feel them and oh my god Corey when I started actually tapping into my emotions and and really feeling what they feel like in my body it was life-changing for me because ask yourself if you're listening when you feel angry for example what does it actually feel like in your body like where do you feel that anger because many people don't have the ability to answer that question right away if they've never tapped in to their body because every person will feel that anger differently based on whenever it was in their lives that they learned to either shut that anger up not express it or not validate it at all so for some people that anger is in their shoulders like what's the physical sensation you feel when you're angry about something Because that's the only way, once you're aware of that, that's the only way for you to 
give your body and give yourself the comfort that it needs when that emotion comes up. You just, you sit with it and you soothe it the way it needs to be soothed. For me, most of my, I I don't want to say negative emotions, but emotions that we tend to label as negative, like anger, frustration, um, feeling like I want to shout and scream, but not doing that. I feel most of that in my arms and in my chest, like I can't breathe properly. It feels like my lungs won't fill up. Hmm. It feels like I, I start getting that like shortness of breath. And um, when I don't try to intellectualize the situation I'm in and when I don't try to find an immediate solution that's logically rooted, then I'm forced to sit with myself and say, what do I need right now? So if my chest is feeling tight, what do I need to do to feel better? And it could be that I coach myself through taking a deep breath for 10 seconds and holding it and then breathing out. It's like you're, you're resetting your nervous system. And that makes your life holistically better, where you're not just so focused on the feelings and you're not just so focused on the logic behind it or the reality. You're bringing both in. And that's the only way, in my view, to live a life that is authentic to you, where you are able to, yes, use language and yes, use logic and yes, be clear on what reality is and what are the the possible solutions to this problem that I'm going through. But at the same time, yes, I'm able to sit with the discomfort of feeling that anger. Yes, I'm able to sit with the discomfort of the guilt that comes up when I try to set boundaries. I'm able to sit with that because when you don't prioritize tuning into those feelings and emotions and actually trusting that they are telling you about what is in your best interest, then the moment they bubble up, you say, I don't want to feel you. Therefore, I'm going to go back on whatever decision it was that I made for myself. So, yeah, I love that we're talking about this because it was life changing for me to Mm -hmm. start doing that kind of mind body connection. Yeah. what What you're talking about is so incredibly powerful and it's like it someone could listen to everything you just said and be like oh that makes sense but if you actually really try and experiment with it and go into that as a practice and really take it sincerely like it can it really is life-changing and not in just a buzzword like oh this is life-changing yeah like every book and every movie you watch and every meal you have is life you know it's like it's actually life-changing you know and i mean i experience this myself and it's like you can go just so deep into these things where just like you were talking about looking for those areas of the body and i suppose before i I share this experience i should just say that a huge part of it is like being able to establish the practice of slowing down oh yes you know Mm -hmm. slowing down your reactions not trying to 
to to react and also not trying to rush through a feeling because it seems unpleasant in the moment where it's really not unpleasant what it is Mm -hmm. it's it's trying to help you and it's unfamiliar you know it's just communication right it's like if you have a, a, a difficult conversation with your partner like it's not a negative conversation. It just isn't giving you pleasure in the moment, but it's actually really good and is healing afterwards, you know? Um, yes. So, you know, I, this is the very same thing. I, I did the same thing and like tapped into it. I'm just giving an example of how deep and far back it can go is, you know, in my life, I recognized how I always would kind of be on guard in a strange way of like always having a little bit of armor, even though I'm very open and warm at the same time, there's also a part of me that is like intellectually or just energetically, like kind of putting up this barrier, you know, and there's Mm -hmm. various ways in which it could appear. And ultimately it's seeking to control the situation I'm in so that I feel a sense of safety, you know, yeah. Oh my God. I, yes. So, <laughs> I started, um, this is, this can get really crazy, but, and maybe you resonate with this, but like, I noticed that and I've never talked about this before, but like in looking inward, I've noticed that in my, what, what comes out as social charisma it's like, you know, anytime I go to a party, anytime I go to some type of gathering or whatever, people want to be around me. They want to come talk to me. They want to talk to me for two hours if I'll stand there and talk to them. Mm-hmm. And I used to think like, oh, it's cool. People, maybe they find me interesting. I don't know. Maybe I'm a weirdo. And so it's like a novelty <laughs> or something. And I realized like a part of my, the, the kind of intellectual and physical entertaining charisma is actually a way for me to control the situation by separating myself, not having to actually connect because someone is sort of being um, thrown off the scent of a real vulnerable connection. And they're Mm -hmm. just being sort of entertained by this world of ideas and how I could turn the conversation on them and have them expand their thinking and all this stuff, you know? And so it's a, it's a way to protect vulnerability, you know, and it kind of blew my, blew my mind whenever I realized that. And so as I looked deeper into it, I looked at like, well, what am I, what, where's this protection? You know, what is this? And I did what you were talking about as I looked into my body, like, okay, where is this? And it's like, I feel it in my stomach, like all that stuff you were talking about in your arms and your chest. Like I feel Mm -hmm. it like in the pit of my stomach. And I looked deeper into that and like just sat with that feeling and the idea of being vulnerable, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought, okay, what is this feeling? It feels like this, almost like this, this metal it's literally like a shield, like over the stomach. Now, like, what is it protecting? Let me go into the first memory I can have of that feeling. And Mm -hmm. I remembered myself as a child and Mm -hmm. it was the first time that by a parent, I was emotionally attacked whenever I was in pain and was looking for support. And I realized that that was the moment where, where I thought there would always be unconditional love I was actually being attacked for expressing how Uh I was feeling. And so I felt 
betrayed and created a barrier because I didn't believe I could trust the, you know, anyone or the people. And I needed to always, because this was supposed to be a person that was to love me unconditionally and they didn't, it showed me that like, oh, I need to always be a little on guard because if that person isn't, can't be trusted, then I can't be vulnerable with anyone. And whenever I kind of felt into that and had that first memory, I just started consciously like, do, did exactly what you were describing. This is why I'm sharing this is because you've talked through it just perfectly. I w- yeah. were kind of looked back at that version of myself and that, that protection. And I thought, Aww. I thanked that, uh, that feeling, that tension in honestly. the stomach because I was like, you, yeah, <laughs> beautiful. I thought, thank you for protecting me. Like you helped me in that moment. You put up that you made me safe through that tension by creating that. But now I don't need it anymore. Like I'm okay. I'm an adult person now that can, that is capable of protecting myself and also capable Mm -hmm. of being open and vulnerable when necessary. And as I did that, I just visualized that metal shield flowing upward and going out of my body and just like, kind of turning into like dematerializing into sort of like a mulch or something that would just flow back into the nature of the universe. And ever since I like experienced that or, you know, went through that, I have just felt I've been able to be vulnerable and been able to be open and present in, you know, in life and in, in relationships where I can actually allow myself to not seem you know, um, always in control of the situation. And it's kind of interesting is that like being, I'm like six foot three, I'm a bald guy, I have a deep voice. And so people, I have, you know, people look at me as someone who's going to kind of have that sort of energy, I think, or like, or whatever. Like authority and uh, you're unapproachable and you're untouchable and you're strong. Yeah. 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 And so after I had that experience, it was like, Oh, I can really like move away from that. If even if people try and put that on me, it's like I can just with a like allow the softness and this openness that uh, enables the connection that really makes a being alive. I love that so much, honestly. Like everything you were just sharing. First, when you were talking about yourself when you were younger. I was literally tearing up. I know you can't see me, but I was tearing up just at the, just at imagining that and how heavy of a burden it must have felt to control protecting your own self, like to feel like it's your responsibility to not bring up your emotions so that you're not hurt in return. It, It teaches you that in big part, your feelings are wrong. It's the fact that you are able to feel and that you are able to be vulnerable that's wrong. And to get to a point where you recognize that and you work through that and feeling that shield like around your stomach, I also really related to that because for me, it feels like, um, it feels like there's a barrier that's right on top of my stomach. You know, when people say, mm. take a deep breath, like a, let it go all the way to your belly. I could never do that. I could never do that. My my breath would stop like right in the middle of my chest. I felt like I couldn't take in that deep breath and let it rest inside of me. And I understood through doing this kind of work that it was parallel to 
the suffocation I felt in every time that I tried something new, whether it was trying to set boundaries or trying to do something that goes against the image of the person that I was taught I needed to be. So one of the beliefs I had was that having fun makes me a bad person because it means that I'm not intentional with my time and that I'm not productive. So I wanted to learn how to dance. I couldn't move my body. And every time I would think about it, I would feel like I'm having that shortness of breath where my breath is stopping right at the top of my stomach. It was only when I started to tap in and and understand exactly where I felt those barriers and try to soothe myself in that way and imagine breaking those barriers. Like for anybody listening, if you're thinking of a, for a, sorry, if you're looking for a practical way to be able to break a barrier like that, whether it's a shield that you feel around your stomach or your heart or your lungs or whatever, how do you actually shatter that? In big part, you, when you tune in and you feel it, your body's going to tell you what you need to do next. There were times for me, Corey, where what I had to do was put my arms out, like extend them and feel that I'm I'm expanding my chest as I'm extending my arms outwards. Like the world inside of me is no longer so small. It's breaking out of that little cage that it thought it was in. And... It, a lot of it has to do with that imagination that you feel inside of you. Like I'm imagining shattering this barrier. What does that look like? What what sensation is my body saying? Like this is how we this is how we free ourselves from this, and you move forward with that. And sometimes it looks very funny. I have a friend who was telling me that her husband was getting into all of this work, and she said I notice many times that. He will just tell me that he needs a couple minutes to himself and he stands up and he starts shaking his entire body. And it's like, that's what healing looks like for him. That's what his body needs. It needs that kind of movement where he's removing something, whatever that barrier is for him or that anxiety or that feeling that's what's making him feel liberated. So for every person, it's going to be different. But I really appreciate you sharing this. And it also got me thinking of, I'm telling you, this interview was meant to happen today. (laughs) Like everything aligned (laughs) properly, even though we had issues at the beginning with audio and stuff. But earlier today, I just, I went to grab a few groceries and I got this urge to make a video about how in order for you to change your life to the life that you want to live and to the life that you should be living in a way that it's authentic to you, you need to stop trying. You need to stop trying to get other people's validation that this decision that you've made for yourself is the right one. You need to stop trying to get people's validation that your feelings are valid. You need to stop trying to control. I literally said those words. Stop trying to control whatever is around you and whoever is around you. 
The reason we try so hard to control, like you said, is we're protecting ourselves. If I know the outcome and I know that I've handled it before, then I know I can handle it. So we try very hard to be in control. So when you're standing there and someone comes up to you and they start sharing their stories with you, you're in control because you are not sharing anything about yourself. And you're like, I know that this person needs needs help or guidance in some way or they need someone to listen and I know that I can do that. I know that the safest option is for me to just let things uh, flow from within me that only pertain to that person, but not to myself. I can shut this part off. I can control knowing that I'm protected and safe. And I don't think I, you and I have ever talked about this before, but it's so important to ask yourself, what kind of safety are you feeling when you shield yourself from being vulnerable? Is it the kind of safety that is protective where you feel like you're that little kid sitting in the corner and trying to protect yourself from any kind of danger? Or is it the kind of safety that's like, I can fully be myself and fully expand into the world around me as in not shrink myself and not dim my light and not try to act small and not try to not be a burden on anyone else around me. And I feel safe in that. Which kind of safety is it that you feel when you guard yourself? It's always the protective one. The one where it's mm -hmm. like, be quiet, don't say anything, don't raise your voice, don't express your feelings, you'll be safe. And it's like, if you want to live a life that's always in defense mode, I'm always trying to protect myself, you're going to be in that corner and you're not going to be able to handle emotions. You will immediately take anyone's attempt at communicating with you. And this happens in relationships all the time. When you don't allow yourself to be in touch with your emotions and when you're living in that defense mode and you're just like, I, I just need to be safe in that way. Anytime that another person expresses emotions to you, you feel like they're either criticizing you or you just don't know how to handle it because you don't know how to handle yourself. And so that guard goes up even higher and it becomes even thicker. And it's like, you know what? It's safest for me to not even get that close to someone else. I, I'm better off alone. That doesn't come out of nowhere, you know? And mm -hmm. I find, I don't know if you've noticed, but, and I love that we didn't structure this conversation because we're just going wherever the flow goes, which is exactly what we started talking about. <laughs> That's you know, right. On social media, the kind of advice that I get flooded with when it comes to relationships, friendships, how to be a confident person, how to be untouchable, all that stuff, it all is telling you in one way or another, don't show who you truly are. Don't show that you have emotions. Don't react. And it's like, you will fall for that kind of advice if you want to project an image into the world that you are strong and powerful and untouchable. 
But is that your real goal in your life? Do you want to live a life where you project an image, but then the truth of who you are is suffocating inside of you, saying, I really do want to be loved and seen and heard for who I am. But I think that if I show that, it's going to come across to the world as I'm weak. And if you continue living on that autopilot of as long as others see me as strong and confident and untouchable and I don't really react to anything and, you know, if you're going to hurt my feelings, I'm just going to walk away or I'm, I'm going to pretend like it didn't affect me. If you really want to live that kind of life, it's going to be a lonely and suffocating kind of life. But you're never going to admit that because you think that admitting it is weakness. I used to have this conversation with my therapist all the time back when I first started this work. Many days I would come to her and I would say, you know, I felt really good that this person said this thing to me and I didn't react. And my therapist would be like, okay, but it must have felt awful to hear those words. And the moment she would say that, I would just burst into tears. And then she mm -hmm. would say to me, what you were doing there was shielding yourself from feeling the pain of the moment. This is another thing that I talked about quite a bit in my next book, where people tell you don't take things personally, because when you don't take things personally, nothing can affect you. You're untouchable. And it's like you look at someone's behavior towards you and you say, that has nothing to do with me. It came from within them. I used to believe that, Corey. And now I'm like, you know what? Take things personally. Because are they not affecting you? Are they not hurting you? Are they not making you feel like you don't deserve to be heard and seen and valued and respected, they are making you feel that way. So take it personally, not in a way where you're like, this means something bad about me, but if somebody hurts you, feel it. If you don't, you're not gonna get to the point where you're prompted to make a decision for yourself based on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... Um that's why I kind of focus on one of the things, like one of my refrains, like on my social media stuff, is just kind of not worrying about what you think other people think of you, right? Yes. Like in terms of that type of stuff. Like, do which, like, you can be free and be safe by just being like who you are, like being, like, letting go into your natural form. You know, yes. we all like, it's always such a funny kind of mental misunderstanding whenever I, I think about it is like, we're all imagining like subjectively what other people think is the best way that we could be. And we want to be that way in some regard so that we can be mm -hmm. seen in a certain way. But really, our understanding of what that way is, is just a subjective perception of what someone else's subjective perception is. So it's like a copy of a copy of 
what what the you know the best way to be is in the world. So it's just completely detached from reality. Absolutely. And that and that's why you get all of these people, you know, in general in society that are disconnected from themselves. They're awkward in public. They don't know how to act. It's because they're trying to like kind of play these roles which aren't even defined to begin with. So there's really no possible way to be successful at that. Uh, and that's also why people who are themselves and who don't care, like uh, what the script says, those are the people that we all admire. And we're yeah. like, Oh, I wish I could be more like, I just, I don't know why Anthony Bourdain always comes to mind, but everyone's like, Oh, he's so cool. Like I wish I could, could have been like him. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, because he just didn't seem to really care. He just was what he was and allowed, you know, kind of the whole symphony of his personality to come out. He was real. He, he allowed his yeah. truth to come to the surface, even if he didn't express it through his words, you could see it in just in his presence. Mm -hmm. Earlier, <laughs> I actually posted a video today where I said, if you want to change the way that people see you, stop wanting to be seen by them. <laughs> and it's I exactly what you just said. Exactly. You have to stop looking at what criteria does that person have for me? And what can I do to be seen through their eyes as someone who's worthy or okay or enough? Because as long as you do that, you are abandoning yourself. Instead of saying, what can I do for them to see me? Say, what can I do to be more of myself and to trust that I don't need to be in someone's life who only needs me to be a certain way for them to accept me? You know, and to even think of that question when I put myself back in situations in my past where I tried so hard to change myself based on other people's opinions of me. I also don't think I've ever spoken to you about this, but one of the biggest struggles I've had in my life is that I'm always surrounded by people who are much older than me. So, you know, I was the sixth child in the family. My parents had five kids and then eight years later I came. And so I've always been surrounded by people who are much older. And then when I started teaching, it was also, you know, principals and vice principals and teachers who'd been teaching for too long. Those were the people who I really wanted to be like. And I always felt like I was trying to run a race with no finish line because I was trying to get to that same level of intellect or maturity that they had because to me that was the ideal and it took a toll on every aspect of my being where I was constantly feeling like I needed to be ahead of my time instead of being in my time so when mm. I think back to those times and I put myself in you know th those younger shoes of mine and ask that question of why is it that you tried so hard to be seen by them instead of asking yourself, why do I even want to be in people's lives who don't just see me with just where I am? I get mm -hmm. very emotional to th when I think of that question or asking myself that question because 
I know there was a big betrayal to myself that I I knew on some level at the time that I was doing because I didn't feel right. I always felt like I was rushing and like I couldn't catch up. And now when I think back to it and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, there was no way you could catch up because when someone has 20 years of teaching experience or when one of your siblings has 15 years of life experience ahead of you, you're always going to be running because there's no way you're ever going to have that same number of years of experience or that same life experience or work experience when you haven't spent the time to get that experience. Now I can see it, but back then it was it was exhausting, exhausting, constantly feeling like I'm behind, I'm behind, I'm behind. And I could tell you when I think of myself when I was 11 years old, it was the same thing. I always heard the words, oh, you're so mature for your age. And at the time, I'm like, yeah, I am mature. Like I look at other kids, they're playing, they're having fun, they're getting into trouble. But for me, it was like, no, I'm way too mature for my age. I don't do the stuff that kids do. And so now I'm trying to make up for that. And I'm 33 years old. Hmm. How are you inviting kind of more of that free sense in your life now? Well, last year, the, two years ago, I started taking dance lessons, which was huge for me because, as I told you before, one of my core beliefs was we don't have fun because fun means mm -hmm. we are not intentional. It means something's wrong with us. And then especially for me, being a woman, dance, when I was a child, it was like women who got up and danced in public were described to me as they have no, um, what's the word? I guess in Arabic it would translate to like, you have no embarrassment or you have no mm. shyness. And Is that, it like dig dignity or something like that? No, it's not about dignity. I mean, dignity is related, but that was the word they used to use. Like, are you not embarrassed of showing yourself in that way? Or hmm. it's like you're inviting attention. And so that was always a blocked part of me, even though on some level, I always knew that I, I admired the women around me who I would see having fun and just letting go of the world around them when they danced, like they would have so much fun. And for the longest time, I actually also wrote about this in The Only Constant. I was so vulnerable in this book, but I wrote about how I would go to parties where it was women's only parties. And I would see my friends who out in public would never dance like that. But now that it was in a closed space and it was only women, they danced and had fun and they were laughing and I always told myself, well, I'm not someone who dances. Just like I always told myself, I'm not someone who has fun. And then I, two years ago, I was like, I really want to change that because that wasn't something I formed about myself out of nowhere. That was something that was shaped for me by the environment around me and the information that I was given. So I was like, I'm going to start, especially after I wrote Welcome Home, I'm going to just 
make my life a blank canvas and start making the rules for myself. So I reached out to a dance teacher and explained to her my issue isn't that I'm, you know, not flexible enough to do dance moves or whatever. My issue is deep. It's emotional. It's shame-based. It's culture, religion-based, all that. And uh, I was doing therapy at the same time, and I felt like doing that body work plus doing that dance or learning how to dance or learning to trust myself in being able to have that kind of fun and not worry about the world around me, uh, life-changing, truly. So so I took dance lessons. I also, a few years, years ago, started taking swim lessons. Swimming was always a big deal for me because when I was super small, I almost drowned and then like no one really put in any effort to help me learn again. So I I carried a lot of trauma with that. Like it was a big mm. struggle for me to even trust myself in putting my head in the water. Like I, I would freak out. It took me about four or five sessions before I got comfortable putting my ears in the water. And other things that I do, I think now I, I live in a way where I'm not constantly on edge, where it's like, oh, what's the next mistake I'm going to make? And I, I'm perfect. I can't make mistakes. I don't live that way anymore. I'm more like, well, if I mess up, it's okay. And um, it's so therapeutic because let's say I break a glass or a dish when I was younger, if I had done that, I would immediately be so scared that maybe I'll get in trouble or that I'm going to be described as like flimsy or I'm there's something wrong with me for having dropped something. Whereas now when I break something, I, I truly laugh it off like, oh, and, mm -hmm. you know, I broke something. And we have this saying in Arabic um, where when you break something, you you say, um, that's okay. The evil that was coming my way was broken. And so in my mind, <laughs> I say nice. that, like, you know what? This broke instead of something inside of me breaking. And so, yeah, I'm trying to allow the things that, you know, as a child, when you're so young, like you're a year, two years, three years old, the things that don't scare you, I'm trying to be that way right now where I'm not constantly w worried about making a mistake or coming across in a certain way. I'm kind of more centered on my inner world. Um, one of the points that I have in The Only Constant is, and I know some people are going to read it and say, well, that's that's arrogant or that's uh, selfish. But to me, it's not. Let your world revolve around you. Because if it doesn't revolve around you, it's going to revolve around someone else so or something else. And so I, I live in that way where it's not that I'm self-centered in a negative kind of way, but I'm extremely attuned to how I'm experiencing the world and what it is that I consider as this big, like, red line mistake. I can't believe I made this versus this is life and life is messy and it's chaotic. And 
Not every mistake that we make means that something is wrong about us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love that. And it's like, I think the older that I get anyway, the more I'm just like, hardly anything really matters. (laughs) Yeah. It's like we apply so much like stress and like worry about stuff like, you know, breaking the glass or or looking a certain way in public or this not working out or this going that way or how we're seen or whatever. And it just doesn't matter. You know, it just doesn't matter. We're, we're here, you know, for a very short amount of time and, um, no one's really paying that close of attention you know and so just being able to come back to you know doing you doing what's right for you and ultimately trying to continue to enrich that intention with which we live like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast it's like how can i just keep and it's it's wild i was actually talking with this uh, uh with a friend about this uh earlier today um just more sort of cosmic connectivity here but like it's really at the end of the day it's about how can you just be a kind compassionate you know patient you know thoughtful person yes and uh move through the world with that in, in a clear view of you know life and reality as you move like that's that's all that really matters at the mm-hmm. end of the day and if you just focus on that then the life around you will change because not only will you be happier but then the people that you encounter will feel that sort of genuine energy coming off of you absolutely and you'll just have better relationships and and everything else and you know i feel like many people think that just because it's their default to be kind and empathetic and giving and um you know thinking of the world around them they think, well, that's everyone's default. Like, this is easy because I do it all the time. And I want to remind anyone listening that if you are projecting kindness into the world and if you are spending your time contributing to the betterment of the people around you, which means you're contributing to the betterment of humanity, even if you're just contributing to the betterment of yourself by becoming aware, that makes you one of the strongest people in the world because to be kind is not an easy feat. There's actually one, um, there's a video that I want to send you, Corey, that maybe you can link in the podcast uh, for people who want to watch it. But it's a speech given at a university where the speaker says something like if you want to look for the dumbest person in the room look for the person who's unkind and if you want to look for the smartest person in the room look for the person who's kind because kindness actually takes a lot more effort and energy even though you might not feel it because you're used to being that way than the the coldness that some people project in the into the world or the cruelty that some people project into the world. I think it's so important to remind ourselves of that, that just because that kindness has been our survival mode or autopilot, it doesn't mean that it's it's easy and it doesn't take a toll on us. It really does. So give yourself credit for the kindness that you project into the world and 
trust that that is the right way to be and do not listen to the messaging that tells you that the more emotionally detached from the people around you and the more you project that image of, I'm just not somebody who cares, you're definitely going to be living an inauthentic life, living that way. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Trust yourself. Oh, yeah. Trust your kindness. Trust what you're projecting into the world. And when you trust that enough, I promise you the right people will walk into your life. And the people who right now you're thinking about and you're going in circles wondering, how do I please this person? How do I make this person love me? And how do I make this person see me as enough? Those people will naturally fall out of your life just like dead leaves fall off of a tree. When you change the core of who you are, and I'm not saying change yourself, I'm saying actually come closer to who you are. And when you nourish who you are, everything and everyone that doesn't belong in your life will naturally go away and everything and everyone that does belong in your life will naturally be attracted to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like, uh, you have these kind of emotional veins flowing out into your relationships. And whenever you, you shift in the way you're talking about, you cut off blood flow to the, the negative or, or, you know, the people in your life who shouldn't be there, you know? And so it's like they sort you stop allowing yourself to be connected to them in the way. And it just kind of heals itself. Like naturally it's, it's yeah. quite, quite you fascinating. You stopped emotionally bleeding, you know? Yeah. That's what it feels like. Sure. It feels like those veins are just going in directions where it's, it's depleting you. You're not getting anything in return. And this is not to say that relationships should be transactional. But if a relationship is only in one direction and that direction is I pour into this and I don't get anything in return, then you have to evaluate whether this relationship honors you, nourishes you, sees you as worthy of getting that in return. Because that person or those people that you're thinking about that you're giving so much to, they're also capable of giving something. And if it's not being given to you, it's going in other directions. So listen and see their choices and stop trying to change them. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Um, well, Nejva, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing everything. Um, you're just a really... Uh, amazing human being and such a good beacon of healing Aww, and insight for people. Yeah. And um, your, your new book, The Only Constant, I know um, people are going to absolutely love that too. And, you know, just talking about the topic of change, you know, that is one of the most important topics, I think, for, you know, how we can be happier and, and feel like we're thriving more in our lives. So absolutely. I know people want to want to come check that out and uh and just learn everything that you have to share yeah i mean i i know when i came up with a title or when we as a team the only constant i wanted everyone to know that change doesn't have to be this difficult ugly uncomfortable thing it is those things but it can also be very beautiful and there is a way to embrace it even if that way looks like grieving 
grieving ourselves, grieving people that we loved, grieving dreams that we had, there is a way through change that doesn't make it this big mountain that we are trying to move, but instead this journey that we're on that literally is the reason that we are alive. Every moment of every day, everything is changing inside of you and outside of you. So I'm really hoping that any person who reads this book feels super empowered to not only embrace change, but also embark upon the changes that they need to make to live the kind of life that you and I were just talking about, that real, true, deep, vulnerable, authentic life. So thank you. And you and I really thought that this could be done in 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) This was great. I I didn't think we've been talking for more than an hour. That's... uh, it just shows you that these conversations are just are always so good. That's right. Time flies when you're in the present. Mm-hmm.